Michelle Johnson was 20 weeks pregnant with her second child when she got a phone call about her ultrasound that left her shaken. Just in the clinician's voice, you know, it was not a good call. And he had just said, is this a good time? You know, are, are you available to talk? And then he said he wanted to talk about the results of the ultrasound and um, that based on the abnormalities they were seeing, it was indicative of spina bifida. In tears, she immediately called her boyfriend and the baby's father, Jeff McGinnis, at work. I uh, could hear in her voice that she was concerned and, you know, very upset. And so I, I left work and came home and, you know, we talked about it. And that's, I think, when I learned that it was a lot more severe than a, the phone call might have led on to be. The Portland, Oregon couple spent the next few days researching what the diagnosis meant and what treatment options they might have. And what did you know about spina bifida? Nothing. Very little to no, nothing. Nothing for me, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I knew I knew it was a defect of the spine and that it could impact walking. So I guess I knew briefly of spina bifida, but not specifics. And I was just in shock, you know. I I had no idea what the right answer was or what outlet to pursue. <laughs> so it was it was surreal. Michelle and Jeff's developing baby had myelomeningocele, the most severe form of spina bifida. Paralysis, incontinence, and excess fluid in the brain were all possibilities. But they soon heard about a trial testing a new stem cell treatment and prenatal surgery at UC Davis Health. They learned it might prevent the most severe conditions. While it had never been tested on humans, they decided to participate. What won't you do for your child, unborn or born, you're going to do everything you can. In this episode of Unfold, you'll hear about their journey through the world's first human clinical trial that's providing hope for a spina bifida cure. Coming to you from UC Davis and UC Davis Health, this is Unfold, a podcast that breaks down complicated problems and unfolds curiosity-driven research. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Marianne Rush-Sharp. This story is about the groundbreaking work of pediatric surgeon Diana Farmer with UC Davis Health. It's also about the courage of families taking part in the world's first clinical trial to treat spina bifida through prenatal surgery and stem cell treatment. Spina bifida is when the fetus's spinal cord doesn't develop properly in the womb. Part of the spinal cord and surrounding tissues are exposed through a gap in the backbone. Farmer says four children in the United States are born with spina bifida every day, and it can leave children paralyzed. The severity can be variable based on where in the spinal cord uh, the defect develops. So if it's in the cervical, in the neck area, then a person might be uh, paralyzed from the neck down. If it's in the back area, you might just be paralyzed from the legs down. Farmer pioneered the prenatal surgery to close the exposed spinal cord. It doubled the chances a child would walk and decreased the likelihood that a child would develop excess fluid in the brain, called hydrocephalus. Now researchers have designed the first human clinical trial to see whether engineered placental stem cells combined with prenatal surgery can do even more. 
surgeons will close the developing baby's exposed spinal cord and use a special stem cell patch. The stem cells are engineered to protect neurons or nerve cells from damage. And as we mentioned in the last episode of Unfold, the procedure was successful on lambs with spina bifida. It allowed them to walk. And in 2017, UC Davis veterinary surgeons were able to successfully treat spina bifida in two English bulldogs named Darla and Spanky using this same procedure. Darla and Spanky can now walk and run. Farmer says the bulldogs shed light on a few things about this procedure, especially given that dogs age much faster than humans. The pets, Darla and Spanky, allowed us to, to see that there appears to be durability to this therapy. The FDA has given doctors approval to conduct a safety trial, also called a phase one trial. And a safety trial probably sounds a bit scary. It does sound scary, but it's actually standard. Well, it was scary for Michelle Johnson and Jeff McGinnis. Before Michelle even considered participating, she had to weigh all the risks and options. And she had several, including a much less invasive laparoscopic surgery without stem cells. Laparoscopic has much less risk to the mom. You're not going to be at high risk for ruptured uterus. You can have subsequent pregnancies. But laparoscopic didn't offer the stem cells. And if you do any research on the last decade of stem cell studies with animals, it's it's really black and white. You know, the animals that receive stem cells are able to walk at birth, and the ones that don't, don't walk at birth. So Michelle had really done her homework on the lamb studies. Did she know about Darla and Spanky too? Yeah, Michelle says the animal studies gave both of them hope that the surgery could work. I knew there were more increased risks, but with what we knew, we felt that it was just the best the best decision to go forward. I don't think we felt like we had anything to lose. Jeff says they just wanted to do what was best for their baby. It's scary, you know, I mean, what happens if is always, you know, in the back of your mind. But I think that, you know, as soon as we spent those four days kind of doing our research and learning, I think that we decided that, you know, there was no question in our mind that that was the program that UC Davis had. In order to take part in a clinical trial, moms have to first meet a lot of qualifications and go through a number of tests. That included an MRI for Michelle. And remember, Michelle was 20 weeks pregnant when she got the news. So you can only pursue gestational surgery for up to 26 weeks. And after that, you're no longer a candidate. And at this point, I was 21 to 22 weeks. So we were running out of time. And these MRIs were booked out three to six weeks in Oregon. So she came to UC Davis Health. We had to drop everything, our careers, our plans. I mean, it was all hands on deck. We've only got four weeks to work with. What are we going to do? Time was running out to make this major life decision. And a woman has to, they have to move here. Because this is a big deal right now for this trial. Because the FDA wants them close by if there was some problem to happen. So we have to be able to follow them weekly during their pregnancies. So she and Jeff upended their lives in Portland and moved to Sacramento. That could not have been an easy decision. No, and what made it more difficult, Michelle and Jeff have two school-aged children from previous marriages. They had to leave them with their former spouses in order to move to Sacramento. Wow. That was a huge sacrifice. I mean, my career potentially, um, how our older kids stay in Portland and function and succeed in school without us. And 
how we can juggle that. And so we were willing to risk all of that in hopes that our child could walk. The surgical team operated on the first clinical trial participant in July of last year. Farmer says the entire team tried to think of the operation as just another surgery. It would be another 10-week wait until the baby was born. For Farmer, that moment was the culmination of 10 years of research. I, I, I will admit, I, just, I broke into tears. The baby seemed healthy. The back was closed. There were, didn't appear to be complications. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, we did it. About three months later, it was Michelle's turn. Surgeons performed a cesarean section to attach the stem cell patch to the developing baby's spinal cord and then close the back. Michelle's surgery was successful, but her recovery was tough, really tough. It's a more invasive C-section. It's much larger. And it's really hard to heal when you have something growing inside of you. So as much as I try and rest, it was extremely uncomfortable. And every kick or, or movement from the baby would, would put me in a lot of pain. Women who have prenatal surgery also have a high risk of a ruptured uterus during labor. So at 36 weeks, Michelle had another C-section. That's considered preterm. And that second C-section, when Michelle and Jeff would meet their baby, came on February 1st. Doctors brought Jeff into the delivery room to make the big announcement. They summoned me over for my job to tell everybody if it was a boy or a girl. We waited for the whole entire uh, pregnancy to find out that he was a boy. And so they lifted him up and... One of our favorite pictures of Toby is that exact moment right there. And there's a, but it was a very magical moment finding out that we were having a boy or we had had a boy. <laughs> <laughs> when they held Toby up um, on the other side of the curtain, it was like holding up Simba and the Lion King when he was born. And um, that's, we call it our Lion King photo. We have this great picture of Toby just being held up. And the lights are just right on him. Spot on. <laughs> it's a spotlight right on Toby, and then Toby's just all in the light right there. And yeah, it's his pride rock moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it is an amazing photo. It's just beautiful. And you can see it, if you like, on our website. That's ucdavis.edu slash unfold. So Tobias Toby McGinnis was born, weighing a healthy 7 pounds and 13 ounces. He um, was born with his legs kicking and toes wiggling. Um, the MRI showed no brain inflammation, um, no hydrocephalus, which was a miracle for us. Um, you know, as far as we know, the procedure worked, although it will take time as he develops and becomes of walking age to definitively know. Um, as far as we can tell, he's he's very healthy and great. So it hurts when he kicks. So I do, <laughs> we have some hope there. <laughs> yeah.
Michelle and Jeff brought Toby back to UC Davis Health for his three-month checkup. They met Dr. Maya Evans, who specializes in pediatric rehabilitation. And what do you guys notice as far as um, leg movements? Great. They Good. kick. He's ticklish. Good. His toes wiggle. Great. So no weakness detected. No. Okay. Good, good, good. Toby has reddish blonde hair and blue eyes and is sporting a onesie with little carrots on it. Evans lays him down on an exam table to try to get him to do a number of movements to test his motor skills. I am trying to get his, um, thigh, his quads, so to kick out, kick out at the knees. Let's try. Oh, yeah. Quad. Quad, quad, quad. She rolls him over on his tummy to test his glutes or his little booty muscles, as she calls them. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Then I need to try to get your booty. That's going to be a little tricky. It's almost hard for Dr. Evans to feel everything she's going to feel. That's good. Evans then tests Toby's hamstrings, which are difficult to assess on a three-month-old, but Toby's being a little trooper through it all. I feel like your hamstrings are very strong. It's just hard for me to fight against them, you know, like to really, like, you know, when he kicks straight, I could really push against it when he bend it. I just never got a good one. But it's okay if you don't want to do it. Yeah, you don't have Oh, yeah. Okay. That was good. Okay. I'll take it. Is that good? I'll take it. Is that okay? I'll take it. I'm done. You were Yay. very good. You going right. to go rest now? You going to take a nap? After both morning and afternoon sessions of testing his motor skills and flexibility, Toby is tuckered out. But Toby's dad, Jeff, couldn't be prouder. But it sounded like he tested in the 75 percentile. So, I mean, I think, you know, even for a preemie, I'd say that's very exciting. <laughs> so... Doctors stress it's too early to know whether Toby could still experience developmental delays or complications as a result of spina bifida. The incontinence that often comes with spina bifida is hard to gauge at Toby's age, although Michelle says he'll likely have to catheterize the rest of his life. Sometimes I worried about that. You know, what does that look like for a seven-year-old? What does that look like for a 12-year-old? What does that look like for an adult? But it's... It's minimal compared to not having the ability to walk. You know, catheterization is, is much more manageable than, than many other ailments. So um, I put my worries aside <laughs> for now, and we'll tackle it when the time comes. <laughs> but some of the bladder and bowel issues that come with spina bifida could improve because of this procedure. And although it's not certain, Diana Farmer is hopeful. I think it's possible that we could completely reverse the damage that has already been done, as well as preventing more damage, such that we might not only improve the spinal cord level, but include all the way down to bowel and bladder function. I mean, that's, that's the goal. That's the hope. Toby's last appointment of the day is less of an appointment and more of a reunion with Farmer. Hey, you guys. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Who's this huge person? Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen you since you were, like, this big. Farmer immediately picks up Toby and holds him in her arms. She gently touches the soft spot on his head. Nice soft fontanelle. That soft spot, you know. So that's always, that's also... I could say, mm-hmm. what's yeah. nice for us doctors, yeah. it's a hint into what's going on underneath. Yeah. And so if it was 
yeah. bulging, we'd be worried about it. Okay. That he had fluid on the brain. Yeah. So when it's kind of sunken in and yeah. soft, it's like perfect. Yeah. So you got that for sure. And then we're pretty excited about these wiggly legs. Yeah. Besides the scar on his back from prenatal surgery, it's tough to see any difference between Toby and any other three-month-old. Toby's mom, Michelle, thinks he's perfect. We were saying how his first laugh, he was five days old when we were discharged. And I was holding him and he went, ha, ha, ha. And so, did you hear that? He just laughed. And I said, we all need some stem cells. <laughs> like, these things are great. Like, he's the happiest baby. He's just always laughing and happy and content. I'd be happy to take credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the stem cell. <laughs> It's so moving to hear about these women going through this trial. They're really brave. Yeah, Farmer says if clinical trials like this one succeed moving forward, it might mean the children having to use wheelchairs as a result of spina bifida could be a thing of the past. It's just incredible. We should also mention that there's another positive aspect to this trial, and that is where the research is headed next. I know they're hoping to perform the same operation and use the stem cells on spina bifida babies after they're born, Farmer says it may not have the same effects, but it could still offer some improvement. But wait, there's more. Believe it or not, there's another hopeful aspect to all of this, and that has to do with the placental stem cells that were engineered by Dr. Aijun Wang. We heard from him in the last episode. He's researching whether the stem cells also have the potential to help people with other neurological diseases, maybe even those with acquired spinal cord injuries, such as from an accident. That would be a remarkable next chapter. And in the meantime, you can listen to more Unfold episodes, and you can check out our first episode on spina bifida at our website, and see photos of Michelle Johnson and Jeff and Toby McGinnis at ucdavis.edu slash unfold. And don't forget, we've even got that photo they described as the Lion King moment there. It is awesome. Definitely worth checking out. Thanks for listening. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Marianne Russ-Sharp. Unfold is a production of UC Davis. Original music for Unfold comes from Damian Verrett and Curtis Jerome Haynes. Additional music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. If you like this podcast, check out UC Davis's other podcast, The Backdrop. It's a monthly interview program featuring conversations with UC Davis scholars and researchers working in the social sciences, humanities, arts, and culture. Hosted by public radio veteran Soterius Johnson, the conversations feature new work and expertise on a trending topic in the news. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.